So Steve Bannon just got arrested. Also, Billie Eilish endorsed Joe Biden from a graveyard. Hillary Clinton returns to lament her fate. And a viciously partisan Barack Obama steals the night from low-energy Kamala. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Surf the web with peace of mind. Sign up now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just a moment. First, we need to talk about being responsible. You know what's a responsible thing to do right now? Saving money. You know what's an irresponsible thing to do? Getting unlimited data on your phone that you don't use and spending too much money on that. That's just a silly thing to do. This is why you should be using Pure Talk USA. Who is your wireless provider? AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. What if I told you that Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers, same towers, same coverage, but literally costs you half the price? How do they make it affordable? Well, no retail stores, low overhead. You're not funding billion-dollar ad campaigns. You're only paying for the data you need, and that's the big one. No contract, no excessive fees. You enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just 20 bucks a month. So you could be saving like 400 bucks a year on your wireless bill by using Pure Talk USA. And in a time of economic turmoil, now would be a very good time to cut down on that cell phone bill. Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, and say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you get this amazing deal and save 50% off your first month. Again, that is pound 250. Say keyword Ben Shapiro for that special deal. Say 50% off your first month. And again, this thing is costing you like 20 bucks a month instead of a multiple of that. Go check out Pure Talk USA today by texting pound 250 and saying keyword Ben Shapiro to get started. Okay, so before we get to all of the convention-related news, and it was a stilted, awkward, overwrought evening last night for the Democratic Party. It looked much more like a typical DNC event, meaning it was kind of a star-studded affair with various Hollywood celebrities telling you how you should feel about politics, which definitely has mainstream appeal in places like Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania. And you definitely need to hear from Billie Eilish about why you should vote if you're if you are a rural voter living in Wisconsin. Huge, huge, the Billie Eilish endorsement. It, there was a lot of that. There was there was Barack Obama showing up. Hillary Clinton showed up. It was basically the cavalcade of old Democratic stars. And then Kamala Harris shows up and was utterly lackluster. We'll get to that in a second. First, we have to break the news. It's breaking news as of this morning that former senior Trump advisor Steve Bannon, who is his former campaign president, co-chair, was arrested Thursday and charged with what federal prosecutors said was his role in a scheme to defraud hundreds of thousands of donors in connection with an online crowdfunding campaign. This is according to The Wall Street Journal. The campaign, known as We Build the Wall, raised more than $25 million, according to prosecutors from the Southern District of New York, which brought the charges. The acting U.S. attorney, Audrey Strauss, said, as alleged, the defendants defrauded hundreds of thousands of donors, capitalizing on their interest in funding a border wall to raise millions of dollars under the false pretense that all of the money would be spent on construction. In addition to Bannon, the indictment charges Brian Colfage, Andrew Badalato, and Timothy Shea with one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. Each charge carries a maximum of 20 years in prison. Since December 2018, the four men convinced people to donate to the campaign, telling the public they, quote, do not take a penny in salary or compensation and that 100 percent of the funds raised will be used in execution of our mission and purpose. And uh, Bannon stated publicly, we are a volunteer organization. So as always, innocent until proven guilty. Um, And uh, I have many comments here on a personal level about Steve Bannon. If you don't know what I think of Steve Bannon, feel free to go back about four years when I was the first person in America to say what I thought about Steve Bannon, (laughs) who was, in fact, my old boss. At Breitbart, um, I'm not a fan. I think it is fair to say that I was maybe the first person in America to point out that Steve Bannon is uh, the worst person I personally know. But even the worst people I personally know are entitled to their day in court. And so we will simply leave it at that. I just would be remiss if I did not at least make a brief comment on that news since it is leading the newscasts everywhere today. And I don't want people to think that I'm simply ignoring it. I'm not ignoring it. I'm just um, refraining from deeper comments about my thoughts on Steve Bannon, all of which are available for several years on the program. And I will leave it at that. Okay, now to the actual big news of the of the day. And that was night three of the Democratic National Convention. It was Barack Obama's night. Barack Obama still dominates the Democratic Party. That is the reason that Joe Biden is the nominee. But it was a very awkward night because Barack Obama basically appointed Kamala Harris's successor. In fact, he even said this. Originally, he was supposed to close out the night as the last sitting president. He was, the la- he was supposed to close out the night. It was pretty unprecedented to do what he had done. And when I say unprecedented, I mean for probably 80 years, the former president of the United States does not go on full-scale political attack on their successor, right? George W. Bush didn't do this about Barack Obama. Bill Clinton actually kind of refrained from doing this about George W. Bush. H.W. didn't do it about Clinton. Reagan didn't do it about either H.W. or Clinton. And this has been true for, for quite a while, is that people who are formerly president generally tend not to 
go around bad-mouthing the people who are their successors, unless your name is Jimmy Carter and you obnoxiously walk around for decades on end lamenting about how terrible Ronald Reagan was after the end of the Cold War. But that's more of an outlier. Okay, well, Barack Obama last night made the night all about him. It didn't really help Kamala Harris that he went before because he's a much better speaker than Kamala Harris. Also, he said that he wanted to go before Kamala Harris to hand her the baton, which is kind of weird since she's not the one running for president, right? <laughs> so Barack Obama, man, that guy really doesn't like Joe Biden very much. I mean, they, they always talk about, he is a, we're brothers, we're brothers. So I sat out this entire election cycle. I waited until after the whole thing was settled. And then I was like, you know who I like? Joe Biden. Sure, I told him to stay out in 2016. Sure, I didn't endorse him in 2020. And now I'm appointing my successor, Kamala Harris. And Kamala's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. and Joe Biden's off in the corner being like, uh, Joe, um, but I'm, I'm Joe, I'm Joe Biden, Jill Biden's husband, and I'm, I'm the one running for. Uh. So once again, Joe Biden afterthought at his own birthday party. So that, that is that is kind of sad. We'll get to that. But we begin with the celebrity endorsements. So for some reason, the Democrats keep thinking that if they trot out celebrities, this is going to be deeply affecting to millions of Americans. And it's a weird take. It's a very weird take. There's one thing that Americans like about their celebrities, and it's when they perform, right? They like when celebrities perform and do what they're doing, right? If you, if you want to watch a basketball game, you want to watch the basketball players play the basketball game, you don't really want to hear them comment about politics. If you want to watch a rock star, you want to hear the rock star do his thing. You don't want to hear the rock star's politics. This is true in every arena of American life. Unless you are explicitly in politics, people generally are not interested in hearing your take on the political news of the day. And so it's bewildering to me that so many Hollywood celebrities think that people are hinging, are, are just hinging on their every word, that pe people are just sitting there waiting with bated breath to hear what Billie Eilish thinks about politics. I will admit, I'm not a Billie Eilish aficionado. I know this comes as a great shock to many of you. As pop culture savvy as I obviously am, I, I know that it comes as a major shock to you that I had no clue who Billie Eilish was other than she looked like uh, a person on the front of an ad for Xanax in all of her in all of her marketing materials. That's pretty much all I knew about her. So we're going to play a song from her in a second. And I'll evaluate. I mean, like, I literally have never, never heard a Billie Eilish song, which is because I stopped listening to music in like 1875 or so. Um, but Billie Eilish gave her message at the DNC because you need to hear from an 18 year old about how you should vote. So Billie Eilish and, and I mean, it's a, it's a weird optic. I will say this is a very strange optic. So first of all, it seems like it's a little on the nose for her to do her endorsement of Joe Biden from an actual graveyard. That seems a little bit on the nose. Like you can see, there's like a tree behind her. She's in like a haunted graveyard. And you expect Joe Biden to kind of like the crypt keeper emerge from a grave <laughs> to receive his, his plaudits at her hands. But, and, and she looks kind of depressed, right? She's supposed to be making an uplifting appeal to why you should vote, why it's important to vote. But you'd be depressed, too, if you had just lost, you'd just been slimed on Double Dare, and then you were forced to give an endorsement of an 80-year-old man in a graveyard. You'd be depressed, too. Here's Billie Eilish giving probably the least inspiring endorsement of a major politician I have ever seen in my entire life. It was, it was really, uh, you know, Trump likes to say low energy. Uh, low energy almost captures it. Here, here's Billie Eilish, a really inspiring, uplifting, energetic tone to this one. Donald Trump is destroying our country and everything we care about. We need leaders who will solve problems like climate change and COVID, not deny them. Leaders who will fight against systemic racism and inequality. And that starts by voting for someone who understands how much is at stake. Someone who's building a team that shares our values. It starts with voting against Donald Trump and for Joe Biden. Silence is not an option and we cannot sit this one out. We all have to vote like our lives and the world depend on it because they do. Okay, I'm not accusing Billie Eilish of uh, drug use here at all. I'm, I'm not. I really am not. All I'm saying is the vibe here is the exact same vibe that you get when you're at a party and people are smoking dope. Uh, and I have, been at the, I have not smoked the dope myself. It's very awkward for me. I'm just that guy who sits in the corner reading a Russell Kirk book. But <laughs> it is, uh, that, that, that was the vibe there. And again, Billie Eilish, after having been slimed, losing the physical challenge on Double Dare, from a graveyard, endorsing the 77-year-old. Weird vibe, weird vibe, DNC. Okay, so then Billie Eilish sang a song. It was a new song. I've never heard it, but I wouldn't know what her new songs from her old songs because I've never heard a Billie Eilish song. So what did that sound like? Uh, let, let's say, let, maybe she's really talented. I mean, maybe. Let's, let's, let's give it a listen. Like surprising.
surprisingly poppy and upbeat for a person who looks as though she's very depressed all the time. I mean, this is, wow. Okay, so, I mean, that, that's mildly enjoyable. I mean, it's not awful. Again, weird vibe, but okay. If that's what you think is going to get your voters out in, like, the, in Pennsylvania, uh, sure, sure, DNC, sure. They also brought out Kerry Washington, who was last relevant, what, three, four years ago when she did a show on, what, what was she in? Was she in Scandal? I can't even remember which show she was in. In any case, she showed up because I definitely needed to hear from Kerry Washington. It, like, don't they have bigger, like, Billie Eilish is a pretty big celebrity, but Kerry Washington is really not, neither is Eva Longoria. Like, couldn't they have gotten Tom Hanks or something? You figure they would have at least made the appeal. Here was, uh, here was Kerry Washington yesterday saying, we're fighting for our lives. Okay, I, I, I'm so tired of the language that you're fighting for your life. You're literally not fighting for your life. This is the most civilized, free, and prosperous country in the history of the world. Kerry Washington is not fighting for her life. Okay, I'm sorry, but Kerry Washington is a very, very wealthy person in the United States, a very wealthy and privileged person. And the fact that she is black does not change any of that. She's not fighting for her life. And Billie Eilish is not fighting for her life. None of these people are fighting for their lives. This all reminds me, the the overwrought nature of this is so bizarre. It reminds me of this. There's an Onion headline from The Onion years ago where they used to have point-counterpoint columns. And the point was something, so this, the one that comes to mind is there, there was a point, point of view and it showed like a 17-year-old girl making a face and saying, I'm starving. And then on the other side, it showed like a Rwandan child holding their stomach and saying, I'm starving, right? And the point obviously is first world problems. There are people on planet earth who actually have problems. If you're speaking at the DNC and then you go back home to your mansion, you're not fighting for your life. You're not. So can we cut this crap? Seriously, it destroy. I don't like it on the right. I don't like it on the left. The alarmism that the country is like, that the country, we're all on the verge of doom. Like, we're not on the verge of, of doom, okay? There are serious ideological rifts in the country. I think the destruction of the American ideal is, is gradually been put on the table. I'm scared about that. But do I think that everybody's like in actual fear of their life being put in danger in the United States right now based on an election? Not unless you're living in a major city and riots are being allowed. But here's Kerry Washington with the, your life depends on it. Your life depends on it from Kerry Washington, from Billie Eilish, these extraordinarily rich celebrities. Sure, sure. I'm sure that Kerry Washington is living every day in great fear that Donald Trump is going to come to her house and, and do something terrible. Our union is not without flaws. When our Constitution was written, women couldn't vote. Black people were considered three-fifths of a human being, but therein lies the work. No one is perfect. Nothing is. But it is the striving toward justice, equality, and truth that distinguishes us. We fight for a more perfect union because we are fighting for the soul of this country and for our lives. You're not fighting for your life. You're not. Okay, stop. Just stop. Okay, because then you, then you get that. Okay, so when you combine the message that you're fighting for your life with the election is going to be stolen from you, that starts to get actually dangerous. And that's true, again, on both sides. Okay, we're going to get to more from night three of the DNC in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that right now, hiring can be pretty complicated. There's a, a lot of uncertainty about where the market is going. That means that you need to get the best people. This is where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes the entire hiring process efficient and effective with features like screening questions to filter candidates and an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and rate your candidates. ZipRecruiter, in fact, is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. Right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire, which is why we've been using it here for a long time. It's why all of our employees live on the, under the tacit threat of losing their job to a more qualified candidate. Let's say, for example, that your producer, Nick, and you knew that I had no idea who Billie Eilish was. And yet you continued to make a bunch of Billie Eilish song title jokes to me for like minutes on end right before the show. Well, you might find yourself ZipRecruitered. Go check out ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire right now. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Go check them out right now. Okay, so the DNC. Night three was the first time they actually laid out some of the radical positions. Their most radical position is, of course, they are very much in favor of gun control. So Joe Biden pushed a video about how much he loved gun control. Right. And this video featured Emma Gonzalez and the, and the kids from March for Our Lives you know, doing, doing the whole we demand action, 
everything, that every, uh, the Second Amendment doesn't exist routine. If you ever think that the Democrats aren't radical on this issue, all you have to do is watch their convention. I, like, I don't know which swing voters in the swing states they're going for with this one. But apparently they think this is a popular position, which is weird. So they played this video at the DNC last night featuring Emma Gonzalez, probably the most radical member of the March for Our Lives crowd. They say that tougher gun laws do not decrease gun violence. We call BS. They say a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. We call BS. They say guns are just tools like knives. We call BS. Can you stop it there? I mean, this was irritating at the time. It's even more irritating when you play it from the from the rostrum of the DNC, even if it's an online DNC. Just the, the pitch that is being made there is a bunch of tautological statements that happen to be true. And then you just shout, we call BS. Gravity draws objects closer to larger objects. We call BS. Okay, just because you call BS doesn't mean that it's actually BS. In any case, this was one of the big messages of the DNC last night. They brought forth a gun control activist as well to say that President Trump does not care if people get shot, which is one of my favorite things about the Democratic Party. We have to take the high road. The high road is we imply that our opponents literally do not care if people die. They've been doing this about COVID. Trump doesn't care if people die of COVID. Trump doesn't care if people get shot. Trump doesn't, you know who doesn't care? It seems to me, it seems to me that no one at the DNC for three long nights has mentioned the fact that there are ongoing riots in Portland and Seattle, that there are riots in Chicago, DC, New York, Los Angeles, three nights of this. And not one mention of it. In fact, glorification of that by contrast. It's pretty amazing. But apparently it is, it is, of course, everybody on the right who's uncaring if we disagree on gun policy. This is a long, ongoing shtick from the left. It is very irritating. I thought I had debunked it when I told Piers Morgan that you really shouldn't stand on the graves of victims in order to castigate the political position of your opponents. But apparently this is what they're going to continue to do. So that was trotted out last night. President Trump, he doesn't care. He didn't care about the victims after Parkland, Las Vegas, or El Paso. I want a president who cares about our pain and grief. A president who will take on the gun lobby to ban assault weapons and close the loopholes to keep guns out of the hands of criminals. Joe Biden has taken on the NRA twice and won, and he will do it again as president. Okay, well, worthwhile noting that um, him taking on the NRA and quote-unquote winning did not actually involve them winning. More guns have now been sold in the United States than at any time in American history. More, more guns are in circulation than any time in American history. So giant fail if you're a gun control advocate. Okay, so that was sort of the lead-up. Then we got to the prime time. The prime time featuring all of the Democrats' big stars. So many big stars. For example, Hillary Clinton made her big return to lament the fact that life has been unkind and cruel to Hillary Clinton. She was back to serve as a warning to all of you. She returned from the woods of Chappaqua after a long time in exile to tell you that people tell me all the time they have regrets. They have regrets. Now, remember, Hillary Clinton is the same person who asked about this. And she's like, people will come up to me and they'll say they regret not voting for me. I'm like, what the? (laughs) Which, by the way, is at least an honest take. Here is Hillary Clinton from Chappaqua, New York. Now, I assume this was filmed not at the same time as Bill Clinton filmed his little, little speech from Chappaqua, New York, because I, I believe she has a restraining order against him. They're, they're sort of like the, the same side of the magnet. They, they, they are, they're poles. And if you bring the, the positive side of the magnet toward another positive side of the magnet, they just repel. They, they have to stay outside of a certain mile radius of one another, lest the universe implode from their hatred of one another. In any case, here was Hillary Clinton saying, people tell me they have regrets. Regrets, I've got a few. For four years, people have told me, I didn't realize how dangerous he was. I wish I could do it all over. Or worse, I should have voted. Look, this can't be another woulda, coulda, shoulda election. If you vote by mail, request your ballot now and send it back right away. If you vote in person, do it early. Become a poll worker. Most of all, no matter what, vote. My God, she's magnetic. I cannot believe she lost to Donald Trump. What a magnetic politician. It would take a heart of stone not to laugh at this. And fortunately for you, I don't have a heart of stone. She, she also lamented, she said, you can win by 3 million votes and still lose. So here she is prepping the argument. Again, the, the Democratic argument, by the way, is Trump is trying to undermine the legitimacy of the election. Here's Hillary Clinton, again, undermining the legitimacy of the election. Vote for honest elections so we, not a foreign adversary, choose our president. 
vote for the diverse, hopeful America we saw in last night's roll call. And don't forget, Joe and Kamala can win by three million votes and still lose. Take it from me. So we need numbers overwhelming so Trump can't sneak or steal his way to victory. Take it from me. I have been out here in the wilderness pretending I'm the president for years and it's getting old. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Hillary Clinton. And then she, of course, uh, saved, uh, saved over some of her bile from the last election cycle to talk about Donald Trump. I, I do love when Hillary Clinton does the more in sadness than an anger routine. She is so bitter about the 20. I mean, listen, I'd be bitter too, right? If I won the popular vote by 3 million and then didn't end up president, I'd be kind of pissed as well. If I'd spent my entire waking adult life wanting to be president and then I lost to somebody I considered a reality TV star clown because I didn't visit Wisconsin, I'd be kind of ticked as well. But here was Hillary Clinton reserving her bile for Donald Trump, saying that she wishes that Trump knew how to be president. You know, like she knew how to be president, but isn't. Or like her husband knew how to be president when he was um, using the Oval Office for particular purposes. Here was Hillary Clinton. If he had put his own interests and ego aside, seen the humanity in a child ripped from her parents at the border or a protester calling for justice or a family wiped out by natural disaster, that would have been a good thing for America and the world. I wish Donald Trump knew how to be a president because America needs a president right now. Okay, I, I just want to point out that when she says, I wish that Donald Trump knew how to put his inhumanity and ego aside, inhumanity and ego, that was basically Hillary Clinton's entire career-long slogan. Hillary Clinton, not famous for being the most human candidate, and certainly the only reason that she was even up for the job is because of her unbelievable ego trip that alienated so many Americans Donald Trump ended up being president. She concluded by saying, what do you have to lose? You have everything to lose. You know, Donald Trump said, what do you have to lose? And the answer is, you have everything to lose. All of the things. So here's Hillary Clinton blaming everything on planet Earth on President Trump. As Michelle Obama and Bernie Sanders warned us, if Trump is reelected, things will get even worse. That's why we need unity now more than ever. Remember back in 2016 when Trump asked, what do you have to lose? Well, now we know our health care, our jobs, our loved ones, our leadership in the world and even our post office. Oh, the post office, guys. We have to we have to uphold the post. We know I love mailboxes. Mailboxes are great. OK, so that charmless human being, um, as decided by the American people circa 2016. Uh, so she returned. That's not a great look for the Democrats because she's kind of charmless, right? I mean, the, the fact is that they could not drag her over the finish line. But she was not the only person to be brought up. So, so last night was also Women's Night at the DNC. A lot of focus on women because Kamala Harris is the VP nominee. And so we got to hear from other luminaries like Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren. So they, none of them, by the way, were the star of the show. But we'll get to what they had to say as well. The gaslighting at the DNC is truly incredible. It really is. You have Hillary Clinton making the appeal for unity over ego. Hillary Clinton... Okay, and then, and then wait till you get to Obama. I mean, just the, the enormous hypocrisy is is pretty, pretty telling. We'll get to more of this in one second. First, would you like to know the secret to staying sweat free this summer? I would because it is like 104 degrees outside. Well, yesterday I actually worked out in the tremendous, tremendous heat. But you know what? I was still saying staying cool because I had Tommy John underwear, Tommy John's ultra breathable underwear. They also have bras for the ladies. They have a range of summer-ready, breathable options. They're cool cotton underwear for men and women. It's like having your own on-body AC. Tommy John's cool cotton is made from premium natural Pima cotton for enhanced airflow. It evaporates sweat super fast, keeping you drier, cooler, and more comfortable than regular cotton. If you want to add some chill to the butt when summer heats up, choose Tommy John cool cotton underwear. All their layers are built for next-level comfort. By the way, they have stuff beyond underwear, and it's just fantastic. Whether you're on the hunt for lounge pants or lazy day joggers or the softest Zoom-ready tees and polos you've ever worn, Tommy John has got you covered. Their stuff is just fantastic. I'm not the only person who loves Tommy John. My wife loves Tommy John products as well. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear, if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guaranteed. For a limited time, go to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Get 20% off your first order. That is TommyJohn.com slash Ben. For 20% off again, TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so other luminaries showed up. Nancy Pelosi showed up. And again, she makes the pitch. This is the big pitch for the Democrats because here's the thing. Things were going pretty well until COVID. They were. You had Donald Trump going on Twitter and making an ass of himself. But other than that, things were going pretty well. The economy was really booming on the foreign policy front. 
A lot of progress was being made in the Middle East. A lot of progress was being made versus China. But then COVID hit. And so the entire Democratic playbook here is keep the keep everything shut down, like as much as possible shut down. Blame Trump for that. And then blame Trump for all the deaths that have happened. Doesn't matter that that really is inaccurate on, on every level. Doesn't matter, by the way, that there is no apparent standard for reopening anywhere. I mean, this is pretty incredible. New York City yesterday had zero deaths from COVID and 64 total diagnosed cases. And the city is still shut down. They're in what they call stage four of reopening, which means that restaurants are still not open and hair salons are still not open. There is no stage five. So it's indefinite. I mean, they're just going to keep it like that in New York, despite the fact they have zero, count them, zero deaths yesterday and 64 total cases in a county of 1.6 million people. There is no standard for reopening for the Democratic governors. And then they are praised to the skies by the media for all of this. So the Democratic playbook is keep everything locked down as much as you possibly can. Blame Trump for all the death, even though those cities like New York City just absolutely got walloped and are governed by blue. Okay, Nancy Pelosi is withholding aid right now. Republicans are trying to push forward a relief package for people who are still on unemployment. Nancy Pelosi is holding that up. Yet here, there she was at the DNC last night suggesting that the Republicans don't want to crush the virus, that they don't want to crush it. So she's just blaming Republicans for COVID-19, which is a pretty astonishing and remarkable and, and horrific claim, actually. More than 5 million Americans are infected by the coronavirus. Over 170,000 have died. The science-based action in the HEROES Act we enacted three months ago is essential to safeguard lives, livelihood, and the life of our democracy. And who is standing in the way? Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Instead of crushing the virus, they're trying to crush the Affordable Care Act and its pre-existing conditions benefit. Um, they're the ones trying to pass a relief package that you have now delayed several times, Speaker Pelosi. Mainly, her, her pitch comes down to Trump is a very, very bad, bad, mean man. Again, the entire DNC, when you boil it all the way down, is really they don't like Trump and Trump's mean. And which means, which means that if Trump had any discipline at all, he'd actually be able to win this election. As we will see, the president's lack of discipline is not helping him right now. But here was Pelosi basically making her pitch, which is Trump is mean and bad and mean and orange and bad and fat and mean and orange. As Speaker of the House, I've, been, I've seen firsthand Donald Trump's disrespect for facts, for working families, and for women in particular. Disrespect written into his policies toward our health and our rights, not just his conduct. But we know what he doesn't. That when women succeed, America succeeds. Okay, so it, 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 he's a sexist too, right? So that was the pitch going in for Kamala Harris is that he's a sexist, he's a racist, that's why he doesn't like Kamala Harris. Even though Trump is mean to anyone who doesn't like him, as we'll see, and he's nice to anybody who does, right? That is the common theme of Trumpism. There is no unifying principle other than Trump's ego when it comes to who he likes and who he doesn't, which means it's hard to call him a racist or a sexist when he literally just judges people based on whether they are nice to him. Yeah, that is the actual that is the actual Trump doctrine. Are you nice to me? Hey, Elizabeth Warren tried the same routine, by the way. She also tried to blame COVID on Trump, which is a despicable character assault by Elizabeth Warren. I will note that this is pretty amazing. So Elizabeth Warren spoke from a classroom in Springfield, Massachusetts. I do find it amusing that Democrats chose to speak from classrooms, that they mandate remain shut down even if it is safe to reopen classrooms in safe and secure fashion. The same people who are dictating that they cannot reopen classrooms are speaking from the classrooms. The classroom's good enough for Elizabeth Warren to be in it, but not your kids. My favorite part of this graphic, though, is that in the background, somebody took children's block letters and put BLM in the background. If you're watching this, you can see it in the right-hand side of your screen. It's it, Literally, they took the letters B, L, and M and put them in the cubby holes. So propagandizing via children's toy. Good job, DNC. Solid job. Here was Elizabeth Warren Another extraordinarily non-ego-driven, non-radical, non-off-putting person suggesting that COVID is on President Trump. Today, America has the most COVID deaths in the world and an economic collapse. And both crises are falling hardest on black and brown families. Millions out of work, millions more trapped in cycles of poverty, millions on the brink of losing their homes, millions of restaurants and stores hanging by a thread. This crisis is bad and it didn't have to be this way. This crisis is on Donald Trump and the Republicans who enable him. That's astonishing. I mean, again, these are astonishingly overwrought claims. What would her policy be to have stopped COVID? She doesn't have one. No one has one. It's burned through a bunch of nations. What in the world is she talking about? Also, why is great aunt 
Warren yelling at everybody. And then, and then finally, she, she made the I Am Woman Hear Me Roar pitch again. This is all part of the Kamala Harris pitch. We organized, we persisted, we changed America. Women power. Yeah, you, you, you went nowhere, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you got skunked. We all need to be in the fight to get Joe and Kamala elected. And after November, we all need to stay in the fight to get big things done. We stay in this fight so that when our children and our grandchildren ask what we did during this dark chapter in our nation's history, we will be able to look them squarely in the eye and say, we organized, we persisted, and we changed America. Wow, we persisted. We persisted. Oh, oh so inspiring, so inspiring. And then she uh, went off to write another recipe for Pow Wow Chow. So well, what, what a wonderful candidate. That was one one twenty one one thousand twenty fourth. interesting, Elizabeth Warren. Thank you for that. Okay, the real star of the night, however, was Barack Obama, who can never let anyone overshadow him. Barack Obama continues to be the only draw in the Democratic Party. His wife, Michelle, is the only other draw in the Democratic Party. The party is completely built around the Obamas at this point. We'll get to Barack Obama's speech, which was, again, it is, it is just astonishing. It's an astonishing case in point of how Barack Obama is very good at politics and is incredible at lying. I mean, and, and those two things are not a coincidence. I mean, they are related. Barack Obama's gaslighting of the American people about his love for the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, it is one of my least favorite things about Obama's legacy, is the way that he was able to double talk so smoothly. I mean, again, admir- props to the man for being very good at his job. Also, his perversion of the Constitution was unparalleled in his own administration. His dislike for founding principles and the principles undergirding the Constitution of the United States, it was obvious from his governance, it was obvious from his rhetoric. And yet, the man had the temerity to stand in the Museum of the American Revolution in front of a display about the Constitution and talk about constitutional limits on presidential power. I mean, it's, it is, the gaslighting is incredible. It really, really is amazing. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that there's never a great time to go to the auto parts store. Now, a really bad time to go to the auto parts store. Also, why aren't you just using the online interwebs anyway? You should be using rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is so much easier than walking into a store and somebody demanding quick answers of you about the type and model of your car and what kind of part you need. And then they offer you a generic part or they have to order it online anyway and then they upcharge you for the shipping and all of that. Instead, just go to rockauto.com and get the part direct. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Like, say you happen to need a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. That'll cost you like 354 bucks at a big chain store. You can get that at Rock Auto for 217 bucks. So they have better prices. They have a better selection. You're doing it all online. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you save money, save time. Go check out RockAuto.com right now. Again, write Shapiro in there. How, to hear, how did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Okay, so that brings us to the star of the night, the star of the night, Barack Obama. So as I say, Barack Obama was originally supposed to close it out, which makes sense, right? You want your cleanup hitter to hit cleanup, but he wanted to hand the torch to Kamala and Joe Biden is over in the corner going, what about me? Why not me? I'm the, I'm the nominee. Why aren't you? Oh, okay, I'll, I'll sit down. All right, I'll just stay here. Where am I? Who? So, Barack Obama handed the torch to come, but what he really did was he he engaged in a vicious partisan speech. Now, why anybody is surprised by this is beyond me. Barack Obama's a vicious partisan. He's always been a vicious partisan. He's a Chicago politician knife fighter. He's always been a Chicago politician knife fighter. The attempt to paint Barack Obama as some sort of great unifying figure is belied by nearly every poll, certainly on, on racial matters in the United States since 2008. Americans were far more optimistic about racial matters when Obama entered office than when he left office. There's a reason for that. He was an incredibly divisive president. He was very politically radical and he was good at smoothing over the rhetoric. And the media just loved the guy. I mean, the media slobber over him. The media have posters of Barack Obama on their wall in the same way that Tim Robbins had a poster of Raquel Welch in his cell in Shawshank Redemption. I mean, the, the media just sit there and gaze at the pictures of Barack Obama and think of better times. And they play romantic music. They got some Barry White going in the background. As you'll see from the media reaction to this, this has not waned one iota. Many of the forces that led to the rise of Donald Trump are direct oppositions to the media worship of Barack Obama and the widespread gap between the perception of Barack Obama by the elite and the rest of the country. Much of the rest of the country saw Barack Obama as a deeply divisive figure. 
They liked him personally, but they saw him as deeply divisive. They didn't like his policies very much. The media thought he was just God. They thought he was God embodied. Okay, so Barack Obama has always been partisan. And it's not a shock that he showed up at the DNC and was super partisan. I mean, he literally showed up at John Lewis's funeral and was super partisan. Right? John Lewis died and George W. Bush gets up there at the funeral, at the memorial service, and gives this beautiful unifying speech about John Lewis and how he made the country better. And then Barack Obama gets up there and he's like, Donald Trump is trying to change the election standards to steal votes. It's like, oh my God, dude, this is a memorial service. But you shouldn't have been shocked by that. He did the same thing after the attempted massacre in Arizona, that, that shooting, that horrible shooting that, that ended with the, uh, including the, the shooting of Gabby Giffords. He went to a memorial service in Arizona and he politicized gun control there. So Barack Obama has always been this guy. Nothing has changed about Barack Obama. And Barack Obama has always been characterized by this incredible ability to double talk the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. So he has familiar, he, he's smart enough to understand that the principles undergirding the Constitution and the Declaration are natural rights, pre-existing government, a limited government instituted only to protect those rights, and checks and balances to prevent government from overstepping its boundaries in violation of those rights. Those are the fundamental principles of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. Barack Obama knows that, and just like every progressive since Woodrow Wilson, he dislikes that. He doesn't believe there are natural rights that pre-exist government. He believes that rights come from government, just like entitlements come from government. Barack Obama does not believe that a limited government ought to protect rights. He believes that an unlimited government ought to give you things. Barack Obama does not believe in checks and balances. He believes in whatever gets the job done. Right? That's why you got pen and a phone Obama. That's why you got DACA Obama. That's why you got war in Libya without congressional authorization Obama. And yet, the man has the temerity to get, and he's been doing this throughout his career, so this was nothing new. He has the temerity to get up there and pretend that he's speaking in the name of documents that he absolutely abhors because he thinks that they are limitations on the ability of government to bring us all together. In 2012, one of the actual slogans flashed on the scoreboard at the DNC was government is the only thing we share. Okay, that is Barack Obama's view of the world. And yet he had the temerity last night to give this speech from the Museum of the American Revolution, a revolution, many parts of which, the, the basic philosophy of which he rejects, and stand in front of a display of the Constitution of the United States, sort of like Bob Odenkirk in, in Better Call Saul, right, standing in his office from Breaking Bad in that giant display of, of the Constitution of the United States. So that was Barack Obama's backdrop. It was well-lit. It was well-spoken. Barack Obama's always been a tremendous speaker. It was actually a better speech than many of the ones he gives in front of a crowd because when he waits for crowd applause, he looks smug and arrogant. He, he does a good job, just like Michelle does, of speaking direct to camera. The man is naturally gifted this way. I mean, he really, really is good. He's also extraordinarily dishonest. So here is Barack Obama speaking about the, the ideals of the Constitution of the United States and ignoring all of the actual ideals of the Constitution of the United States in favor of Pablum about how what the Constitution was really about was just democracy writ large. Now, listen, the Constitution is pro-people voting, but it is not a pure democracy. It is a Republican document that embodies all sorts of checks and balances, specifically because the founders did not want mob rule. But here is Barack Obama reducing all of America's founding philosophy down to people vote. No, that, that is not all of America's founding philosophy. You're leaving out some pretty key elements there. President Obama. But that, of course, is the point, because what he's going to say is that he's for, quote unquote, democracy. Donald Trump is not for democracy. And, and he's going to stand in front of a, a display about the Constitution in order to do this. I'm in Philadelphia, where our Constitution was drafted and signed. It wasn't a perfect document. It allowed for the inhumanity of slavery and failed to guarantee women and even men who didn't own property the right to participate in the political process. But embedded in this document was a North Star that would guide future generations. A system of representative government, a democracy, through which we could better realize our highest ideals. Okay, again, he reduces all of the philosophy of the founding to people can vote, and then we can realize, quote unquote, our highest ideals. Now, Obama has said in previous speeches, namely his second inaugural address, that those highest ideals are completely malleable by time, right? Liberty doesn't have the same meaning to everybody. This is Barack Obama's reductionism of the Constitution into a progressive version of what government ought to be. That's what's happening here. And it's important to note what this is because this was his tenure, right? He transmuted the basic ideals of the Constitution into something very, very different. The founding ideals of the country that led to women getting the vote and black Americans getting the vote and to people without property getting the vote, the founding ideal there was not really all people vote. It was more that all people are created in the image of God, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Those are the things that are in the Declaration that end up embodied in the Constitution. But the problem is that that 
embeds a few further principles that, that Obama doesn't agree with, namely that, that you are endowed by your creator with certain inalienable rights, rights that cannot be tread on by the government. Obama doesn't believe that kind of thing. Right. So in a second, we'll get to more of Obama's you know, continuing perversion of American philosophy. And then we'll get to what the real core of his speech was, which is Donald Trump is very bad and very incompetent and very bad and also incompetent. It was a very partisan speech. Again, not shocking from Barack Obama. And, and frankly, I'll be honest with you. I really don't care whether presidents attack their, their successors. I don't. They've always been political figures. I've always thought that, frankly, it was, it's weird that George W. Bush has receded from the public scene to the point where he won't even defend his own legacy. I understand the tendency to say, well, you know, presidents shouldn't speak on political matters beyond their tenure. I, I, I don't like unwritten rules like that generally. If you're a political figure, obviously you have opinions. It's a free country. You should be able to say what you want. So I'm not going to, I honestly don't begrudge Obama getting political. This is what he does. What I begrudge is that he's a partisan and the media acts as though he is not a partisan, like he's some great unifying figure who believes in the Constitution when he obviously does not. He routinely overran the, the boundaries of the Constitution when he was president. We'll get to more of the hypocrisy from Barack Obama in just one second. First, when you think of your future, when you think of your goals, of where you want to be, well, probably you should substitute dreams for goals and suddenly planning for your future gets bigger because nobody has small dreams. Instead, you can start planning for fulfilling those dreams by increasing your educational opportunity. Ashford University helps you do it. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teach you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes built for life's twists and turns. They've been doing online education for quite a while. A lot of the universities now are, are charging exorbitant amounts of money for online education, and you can get it better and faster and less expensively at Ashford. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford will give you the tools you need to go from dreaming to doing. Don't put off your educational dreams right now. Now's a great time for some resume building. Go from dreaming to doing. Your bigger future starts today at Ashford University. No fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash Ben. That is ashford.edu slash Ben. Ashford.edu slash Ben. Not all programs available in all states. Go check them out right now. It's a great use of time. All righty. We're going to get back to Barack Obama. Then we'll get to Kamala Harris, who was an afterthought. Joe Biden is an afterthought. Kamala Harris is an afterthought. This ticket is just an empty vessel for We Hate Trump, as we'll see in just one moment. We'll get to more of that in a second. First, got to tell you about our most exclusive membership tier over at The Daily Wire, All Access. All Access members get to join All Access Live. That is our exclusive live stream discussions hosted every night by each of the hosts, including moi. Tonight, August 20th, we'll be doing a very special live stream watch party covering the DNC's biggest speakers with The Daily Wire's own Matt Walsh. I feel bad for Matt. It just sounds terrible, but Matt will make it amusing. The stream starts at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific. Don't miss this big opportunity to tune in and watch Matt Walsh mock the DNC with low-key, very dry humor. All Access membership also features exclusive access to live online discussions with our hosts, writers, and special guests, along with not one, but two leftist tier stumblers with your membership, as well as early and sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So head on over to dailywire.com slash Shapiro right now. Get 20% off all access with coupon code ACCESS. That is dailywire.com slash Shapiro. With coupon code ACCESS, you get 20% off your membership. Also, Tomorrow, we are doing a Daily Wire backstage. I might want to miss it, but you won't want to. 4 p.m. Pacific. Go check us out. Dailywire.com slash Shapiro. Coupon code access to get 20% off your membership. We have all sorts of goodies for our members. And we're doing a backstage. It's me, Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, Michael Knowles. And we will be talking all things DNC, RNC, maybe Steve Bannon related. We'll get to all of that tomorrow. So go check it out. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All right, so double talk specialist Barack Obama, who disdained the Constitution on an ideological level, who, who thought that its boundaries were hackneyed and, and that the president should be, should be as big a man as he is capable of being, which is a Woodrow Wilson line that Obama really did try to apply. He had some words for President Trump. Now, he had two lines of attack. Line of attack number one is that Trump had overrun the boundaries of the Constitution. That one is just coming from Barack Obama. I mean, that is, take the beam out of your own eye, dude. I mean, that one is, that one's pretty wild. His other line of attack is that Trump is not competent, right? Is that Trump is always distractible. And this is a line that was also used the other night by Michelle Obama. So Michelle and Barack are going to do the we're very competent. Donald Trump is not very competent routine. And this one has some tell to it, right? I mean, politically speaking, there's a widespread perception that Donald Trump is fragmentary in his leadership style, to put it, uh, to put it at its most obvious and at its most mild, that the president is distractible, that the president is not focused. Now, the good news is that the constitutional boundaries hem in the president and he has a team around him. 
And so that really isn't the end of the world in terms of policymaking. Trump's policy has been a lot better for the country than Barack Obama's policies were. But when it comes to Trump's leadership style and the obvious sort of volatility and chaos of Trump as a personality, that those are the attacks that Obama's using because his basic idea is, and here's dead Joe over here, and dead Joe won't be quite as volatile because, frankly, he's not alive. So here is Barack Obama saying that Trump hasn't put in the work. And Trump, for some reason, decided to underscore the attacks on him by simultaneously live-tweeting this. I mean, it's just, it's beyond political malpractice what Trump has been doing in the last couple of weeks via Twitter. Anyway, here is Obama going after him. I did hope, for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work. No interest in finding common ground. No interest in using the awesome power of his office to help anyone but himself and his friends. Okay, so the, there, there are several things here to unpack. One, when he says that Trump hasn't put in the work, meaning he, he you know, is distractible, that one's hard for Trump to rebut when he is on Twitter at the same time tweeting out in all capital letters his critique of Barack Obama's speech. Right, that, that is a, a stupid move by Trump. It underscores Obama's attack. When Obama says that he hasn't, under, he hasn't understood the depth of his office, this is Captain Selfie over here, right? Barack Obama is the guy who literally took a selfie stick into the Oval Office and was taking pictures of himself with the selfie stick. He was doing interviews with Glozell and Pimp with a Limp back in 2012. So when it comes to the seriousness of the office, Barack Obama was not exactly Captain Serious himself. Okay, beyond that, when he says that he's shown no interest in helping anybody but himself, a lot of Americans were doing great until COVID. We had the best economy in 50 years under Donald Trump's presidency before COVID. There are a lot of folks who are affected. I didn't like criminal justice reform. Criminal justice reform helped a lot of people, right? Whether you like it or not, it helped a lot of people who Trump obviously wanted to help were not his political constituency, frankly, uh, many of them. And, and he's helped a lot. Of, Donald Trump has helped a lot of people. When you talk about people helping themselves, Barack Obama was routinely engaged in political activities that were designed to help his own political campaigning, his own administration. I mean, at least, the very least you can say about Barack Obama is that when he entered public office, the man was not rich. He, he's now worth tens of millions of dollars. Donald Trump entered public office being a billionaire and he will leave a billionaire. So when it comes to you know, people who have used politics to make money, Barack Obama is on that list. Okay, then Obama said that Trump hasn't grown into the job and then he blames Trump for 170,000 dead people. This is really, really scurrilous stuff. Again, the line that Democrats are using that Trump is responsible for the number of dead when, again, the vast bulk of the dead in the United States are in states run by Democrats and when it is clear that no one has a good solution to COVID is really despicable. Here's Barack Obama being despicable. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. 170,000 Americans dead. Millions of jobs gone. While those at the top take in more than ever. Our worst impulses unleashed. Our proud reputation around the world badly diminished. Okay, this stuff is crap. Okay, this is, this is where he really gets demagogic. This is demagogic stuff. Right? Saying that Trump is responsible for 170,000 deaths is crap. Trump, him saying that our worst impulses were only unleashed under, under Donald Trump. At no point in the speech, by the way, does he actually decry the riots happening in major American cities, many of them driven by a media that hates Trump and mayors that hate Trump as well. In fact, not only does Barack Obama not decry that, at a certain point, he actually paid tribute to it. Right? He just pretends that everybody's protesting. There hasn't been a riot anywhere. Obama said about the protesters, you are the nation's dream fulfilled. Uh, really, I mean, you can make the case that protesting is, is the, and it is true that protesting is a major part of American tradition. It is not true that rioting and looting ought to be a major part of American tradition and failing to make any distinction or even to note that that stuff is happening for three straight nights of the DNC is pretty incredible. Next week, the RNC should, on a loop, show what's been happening around the country in terms of the violence, the chaos, the rioting, and the looting that's been promulgated by Democrats, excused by Democrats, excused by the media. Here's Barack Obama pretending that the only thing that's been happening in the United States is some nice low-level protest. To the young people who led us this summer, telling us we need to be better, in so many ways, you are this country's dreams fulfilled. Earlier generations had to be persuaded that everyone has equal worth. For you, it's a given, a conviction. And what I want you to know is that for all its messiness and frustrations, 
your system of self-government can be harnessed to help you realize those convictions. Okay, this is the inside-outside game that Democrats have been playing for quite a while here, which is that, sure, the system is great when we run it. When we don't run it, we need you out in the streets. We need you out in the streets and we need you not only protesting, but we'll excuse your rioting and we'll excuse your looting and we'll excuse the violence and we'll excuse the messiness, we'll excuse the chaos because we don't run the government. But when we're in power, you need to calm it down, guys, because then we got this thing. It is the inside-outside game Democrats are playing. But Obama didn't stop there. So Obama then suggested that Trump doesn't believe in American principles. Now, again, how Barack Obama defines American principles has been a longstanding question. And this is a real question. Like, what, what are America's founding principles? What are the creedal principles that unite us? I mean, I wrote an entire book about this. How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps is about what are the principles that ought to unite us. Barack Obama disagrees with many of the founding principles. The idea of natural rights pre-existing government. He does not believe this. He does not believe that government ought to be limited to protect those rights. He does not believe in checks and balances. He doesn't believe in any of those things. He believes in a culture that, that prizes entitlement in a culture that disdains social institutions in favor of governmental institutions. He doesn't believe in a lot of foundational American ideals. That's not unique to Barack Obama. Right? That, that, is, that is a hallmark of the progressive movement since the beginning of the 20th century. But here is Donald Trump suggesting that Trump doesn't, uh, this is Obama suggesting Trump doesn't believe in American principles. While standing in front of a, a sign about the Constitution of the United States, here is Captain Penn in a phone. Our ability to work together to solve big problems like a pandemic depend on a fidelity to facts and science and logic and not just making stuff up. None of this should be controversial. These shouldn't be Republican principles or Democratic principles. They are American principles. But at this moment, this president and those who enable him have shown they don't believe in these things. Okay, so American principles, according to Barack Obama, are things like science, in fact, and also men and women don't exist. And babies in the womb are not actually babies. They're just clusters of cells. So that's always exciting stuff to hear from, um, from President Obama. He also went after President Trump for using what he called troops as political props. Again, he's focusing in on the Lafayette Park incident in which the National Park Service cleared the park before Trump walked out to do this photo op at St. John's Church. Again, it's unclear from the reports whether these protesters were throwing objects at the cops. The Park Service says yes. Many of the protesters in the media say no. In any case, he, hearing Barack, like the hypocrisy here is astonishing. Hearing Barack Obama talking about using troops as political props, Barack Obama literally went in front of, a, at a military base, in front of a group of troops and said, you guys make a great photo op. I'm not kidding. That's a thing he actually said in real life. But here he was saying like, you can't use troops as props. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use troops as props except when I do. Here's Barack Obama. They understand that in this democracy, the commander in chief does not use the men and women of our military who are willing to risk everything to protect our nation as political props to deploy against peaceful protesters on our own soil. Yeah, again, Barack Obama routinely, routinely did this kind of thing. He stood before troops and said, this is a direct quote. You guys make a pretty good photo op. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, and then Obama concluded by saying that this administration is tearing down democracy. Again, this is coming from the guy who launched war in Libya without congressional authorization, who explicitly said that he could not simply avoid the implementation of immigration law and then just did it. This is coming from the same guy who sicked his IRS on conservative, on conservative 501c3s, but had plausible deniability. This is the same guy who routinely engaged in activities that violated the the long-standing norms of the Constitution. He is now calling for, by the way, for the end of the Senate filibuster, which he calls racist, when five minutes ago he said that it was actually a tool for democracy. This guy has no fidelity to institutional, to institutional not only norms, but to the actual institutions of the United States if they stand as an obstacle to his broader progressive mission. And yet here he is saying the administration is going to tear down democracy. You're the missing ingredient. The ones who will decide whether or not America becomes the country that fully lives up to its creed. That work will continue long after this election. But any chance of success depends entirely on the outcome of this election. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down if that's what it takes for them to win. So we have to get busy. Okay, so he, I mean, what he's saying right now is so wildly, wildly dangerous. Him saying that basically the fascists are at the gates, 
And if we lose this election, then the country is over is extraordinarily dangerous, really, really dangerous. If Joe Biden wins this election, the country is not over. It means that a real setback for a lot of the things I care about, not just politically, but philosophically, because I think the Democratic Party is enthralled to the 1619 Project crowd. But I don't believe that America's electoral institutions are over if the Democrats win. Barack Obama is literally saying that. Hey, I'm old enough to remember because, again, I'm more than 30 seconds old when the when the media were saying Donald Trump is undermining the results of an election that's bad. Democrats have been doing it consistently for years, and Barack Obama just did it last night. And uh, and that is that is scary stuff. OK, so Obama gives the speech and the media are just gushing over it. Ryan Lizza, a reporter for Politico, he actually tweeted out. This is a direct quote from Twitter. So much journalism, guys. I mean, the journalism was just getting everywhere. It got real sticky and messy, the journalism. He, he tweeted out. Barack Obama just delivered the finest convention speech in modern history. Again, spellbinding, chilling, optimistic, beautifully written, expertly delivered, incredible moment. And then uh, he had to sleep it off for a few, for a little while. Ryan Lizza. That guy's the White House reporter for the for Politico. Don't worry. The media are, ju- they are even handed. They show neither fear nor favor. Rachel Maddow was very exorbitantly excited about this as well. She said, Obama slayed her, slayed her. Slay, Obama, slay. President Obama's speech tonight slayed me. Um, I'm sure people have different opinions about it because it's a different kind of thing from him. But his warnings that we could potentially be at the end of American democracy um, scared me and I found upsetting and hard to watch. Um, But just powerful, powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. So, uh, again, when Democrats say we're at the end of American democracy, powerful stuff. When Donald Trump suggests that the Democrats want to ruin American democracy, terrible stuff. How about it's just not great all around when you suggest that the other side is going to end the democracy of the United States without any evidence that this is the case? Amazing. Uh, Well done, media. Well done. Okay, so here's the problem. Because Obama got all the plaudits, that left Kamala Harris as a kind of leftover. And this is just the case for the Democratic ticket. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not inspiring in any way, shape, or form. Joe Biden is is a dead person. He is not an alive human. And Kamala Harris is an incredibly lackluster candidate. She was lackluster in the primary, so lackluster she didn't last until the first primary. She's not inspiring. She she is not exciting. So she gave her speech last night and she was low key Kamala because high key Kamala really keyed up and and pitched up. That level of Kamala Harris is very off putting to voters, as we learned in the primaries. So she's going to go like full Mike Pence now. She's going to really tone it down. And basically her entire campaign now is going to be I love Joe. Now, five seconds ago, she hated Joe. Five seconds ago, Joe was a a racist bigot. But now Joe's the, the savior of the country. So here is Kamala Harris suggesting that Joe Biden would turn our challenges into purposes. This comes the night after Joe Biden said that Joe Biden would make us whole. Joe Biden can't even make his mental acuity whole. Here was Kamala Harris suggesting that Joe Biden will turn our challenges into purposes, which, by the way, is a really nice way of saying, let no good crisis go to waste, which is the Democratic hallmark, that we are going to use every challenge as an opportunity to grow government and overthrow your rights. Here was Kamala Harris last night. Right now, we have a president who turns our tragedies into political weapons. Joe will be a president who turns our challenges into purpose. Joe will bring us together to build an economy that doesn't leave anyone behind, where a good paying job is the floor, not the ceiling. Joe will bring us together to end this pandemic and make sure that we are prepared for the next one. Okay, she was very not good last night. I mean, this was kind of the tenor of her speech. She was really not good. She had a couple of lines that were real clunkers. So she she said, for example, she's talking about racism and racial injustice. And she said, there's no vaccine for racism. Please, can we not use COVID metaphors at this point? It's just awkward. Like people are still getting sick from COVID. And it ain't a metaphor. Here was was Kamala Harris using COVID metaphors to talk about racism or something. Let's be clear. There is no vaccine for racism. We've got to do the work for George Floyd, for Breonna Taylor, for the lives of too many others to name, for our children, and for all of us. It turns out that there is, in fact, a vaccine for racism. You just get nominated the presidential candidate for the Democrats, and then they just stop calling you racist, like randomly, like Kamala Harris did. It turns out the vaccine is being nominated for high office as a Democrat, and then everything just goes away. That's the actual vaccine for racism. My favorite unaware Kamala Harris line last night is she was talking about how as a prosecutor, she went after various types of predator. And uh, and this one got a lot of play. She said that she knows a predator when she sees one. 
which is weird and awkward because she said that she believed Joe Biden's sexual assault and harassment accusers. So she knows a predator when she sees one, unless she's running with one, then that's So Brett Kavanaugh, yes on the assault. Joe Biden, no on the assault, unless it's yes on the assault. But if he nominates her, it's no on the assault. Here's Kamala Harris, predator spotter. I have fought for children and survivors of sexual assault. I fought against transnational criminal organizations. I took on the biggest banks and helped take down one of the biggest for-profit colleges. I know a predator when I see one. Do you, though? Um, because uh, you, you literally suggested your running mate is a predator. So there is that. Okay, so the, the convention, final notes on night three. Obama's still the star of the show. Yeah, he is a, he's a gifted politician who lies a lot, which may be synonymous. Kamala Harris is lackluster. Joe Biden is lackluster. A lot of lackluster stuff going on. This should open a gap for Trump because, again, they're making this entire election a referendum on two topics, essentially COVID, which theoretically could get better, and Trump personally, right? That Trump is a mean, very, very bad man, which would require Trump to stop, 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 stop. So here's the thing you shouldn't do. So yesterday, again, this is such political malpractice. He was asked about QAnon, President Trump, and I have to note this before we close. President Trump was asked about QAnon. QAnon is this bizarre conspiracy theory that has been floating around Reddit for years. The same sort of people who suggest that that Comet Ping Pong Pizza or whatever the hell that that pizza shop is in Washington D.C. was actually a child predator grooming site or some such stupid garbage. They have this theory that Donald Trump is protecting people from cannibalism and that that he is the head of some group called Q and that he is trying to prevent the the deep state from satanic rituals or something. Like it, it's it's totally crazy, insane garbage, stupid garbage, stupid crap, right? Over the last week, the president endorsed a candidate in Georgia who won a uh, congressional primary who is a QAnon believer, apparently. And then the president endorsed Laura Loomer, who is a a rather nutty character, uh, at the very least, who said some pretty egregious things uh, from Florida. And uh, and so people were asking him. uh, So he was asked about QAnon. And this would be a good time for the president of the United States to either shut the hell up and say, I don't know anything about QAnon. I'll study it and get back to you. Like, I really don't know anything. I'm not into Internet culture. Or for him to say, QAnon is a terrible, stupid conspiracy theory. I have no idea why people believe it. And it's idiotic. Instead, because everything in President Trump's world is viewed through the prism of, do they like me or do they not like me? Do they love me, love me not, love me, Kim Jong-un, love me, Vladimir Putin, love me not. Like Because everything is viewed that way, through this personal prism, you get this incredible answer from the president about QAnon, which in a time when you are being attacked by your political opposition is unfocused and conspiratorial, is a crazy answer. Just on a poli- forget the morality of it, which is ridiculous. The political nature of this is so unbelievably stupid, undermining yourself this way. What's he thinking? What? Here, the answer is nothing, right? Here's the president being like, QAnon people like me, so I guess I like them too. Love. The QAnon movement has been, appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate. The crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. Okay, so a couple things. One, he doesn't know what QAnon is. It's perfectly obvious he doesn't. Two, he will literally say nice things about anyone who says they like him, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what this comes down to. So the media are drawing the conclusion that he's actually like giving credence to QAnon. Well, he kind of is because he doesn't know what it is. That, that, that answer should have ended with, I don't know much about them. But as always, President Trump's answer continues to, do they like me or not? Right? Just like John Lewis, I don't know much about him, but he didn't come to my inauguration. So he's a poo-poo head. Like, why would you do this? Why? The entire critique that Obama laid at your feet is that you are being distractible and unserious and that you are willing to grant credence to silly things. There are 90 days till the election. If Trump wants to remain president, he needs to buckle down. Democrats are making this entire thing a referendum on COVID, which could wane. I think actually it is on the wane by statistics. So that's good for Trump. But then they're really making it a referendum on him personally, which means he needs to cool his jets. No more of the all caps tweeting. Calm your ass down, sir. If you wish to remain president. And also, don't say stupid, terrible things like that. That's that's not good. Okay, so we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow for a recap of Joe Biden's big ascension to the Democratic nomination. He's going to give his speech, and presumably there will be three intelligible sentences. We'll break down all three of them tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pava Wydowski. Our associate producer is Nick Sheehan. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Oh, 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 that was the sound the media made yesterday as Barack Obama gave his speech at the Democratic National Convention. It's an important reminder of just how dishonest and corrupt our media is, but you knew that already. Still, we'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.